You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. We have um, Matthew uh, chapter 11, if you could go, go there with me today. Um, I'm just going to pick a root passage that we're going to visit almost every time. Uh, it's a really cool passage where Jesus, essentially, you know a lot of people have a lot of opinions on Jesus. Uh, a lot of times, um, we have our own emotions about Jesus, and sometimes those are right, sometimes they're wrong, sometimes they're half wrong and need a little refinement. Um, but Jesus, in all the books of Matthew, or all the, all the gospel chapters, rather, but then even in Matthew, this is the only time that Jesus talks about his heart. We hear about the works of Jesus, hear about the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, but this is a point when Jesus is going to talk about his heart. And, and essentially, in Matthew, is going to kind of explain in the middle of all this clamor and emotion and opinion about who Jesus is, he says, but but this is who I really am. This is, a lot of people have a lot of things to say about me, a lot of opinions, a lot of information and false information, but this is who I really am. Matthew, if you're there, uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 25, says, at the same time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because he says, you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, but you've revealed them to little children. The Bible says that that Jesus isn't found by opinionization. It's not found from opinions, but it's found from revelation. The only people that really see Jesus, the only people that get to come to him, and as he's going to say, be, be uh, ridden of their, of their heavy yoke, of the slavery yoke, of the world's yoke, the only ones that get to come to him are children, the ones who know nothing or are not wise in their own eyes. <clears throat> and, and so he says, um, you've revealed these things to children. He says, yes, Father. For this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Son except for the Father. And no one knows the Father except for the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Did you know the Jewish people knew God? They were, the, they were God's people that heard his voice in, in the wilderness and in the promised land. Uh, but, but in all those, all those ways that they ever cried out to him, they never knew him as Father. Jesus is saying that the world is, is deaf and blind and can't understand God unless God sends a Son. Unless God sends a son, then the world will never know the father. And unless the father reveals the son, and that little children would come in faith, then no one would know the son in the first place. And so if we know him, it's because he's been revealed to us, not because we have strategized our opinions. And so verse 28, then he says, famous passage, Then come to me, all you are weary, all that are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Not a vacation rest, not, not just a... A solitude rest, but an actual rest where God yokes himself with us and carries the same burdens and same pains and same life and the same suffering that we have, but he harnesses us with this yoke that we're carrying it with a new found strength. In verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the series that we're going after this March is called Jesus Messiah, and the focus will be on three offices uh, of Jesus, you know, Jesus as the greater prophet. That there were many prophets that came before him, but Jesus brought a better word than every prophet that ever came. And, and there were many priests that failed, and no priest could, could live in the order of Melchizedek and permanently offer up, um, offer up substitution for us. But he became a priest that desires mercy and not sacrifice. And lastly, that Jesus is a greater king. He's the greater king than David. He sat on the throne in perpetuity, and he was the servant king, the king that nobody expected but everybody needed. And that's what we're looking at. May we see Jesus, and we see Jesus because you can't come to Jesus if you don't see him. Right? And if we would see Jesus, we could come to him. And, and we, can't, we can't show and share off Jesus as so we're not seeing Jesus and coming to him too. And so that's our prayer, Father, Lord, that on the scriptures as we move our way through Matthew, Lord, that we wouldn't conjure up our opinions, Lord, and, and, and gather up our wisdoms and, and look to, um, look to the, the areas of the world and circumstance, but we would trust your Father. 
and trust your Father that, that you would reveal who your Son is. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody said, December 16th, 2006, I was uh, in, a, in a supermarket and I saw a Time Magazine cover uh, for the person of the year. Person of the year is usually, you know, Gandhi or it's a uh, president or, or some civil rights leader or Nobel Prize winner or whatever. And uh, this year, uh, in 2006, the, the, the person of the year was you. It was me. Did you remember, remember seeing this? It was, it was a YouTube picture. And so um, the idea was, I'll read it right out of here, the article, was that the person of the year um, is this digital revolution. It is, um, it is, uh, uh, it is people that are able to, uh, you know, co- communicate and reach in a way that never was possible before. So it says, you were named Time Magazine Person of the Year in the article. Written Reuters, it says, on Saturday, for the explosive growth and the influence of user-generated internet content such as blogs, video file sharing sites, YouTube and social uh, network, MySpace. For seizing the reins of the global media, for founding and framing the new digital democracy, for working for nothing and beating the pros at their own game. Everybody see, anybody invested in GameStop? It's kind of similar things still going on today, right? So beating the pros at their own game, time person of the year is 2000, in 2006 is you, says the magazine's Lev Grossman. The magazine was put in a mirror, has put a mirror of the cover of its Person of the Year issue released on Monday because it literally reflects the idea that you, not us, are the transformation, transforming the information age. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, reading this article back in 2006. Uh, I had my first Facebook uh, account in 2004. We were at Indiana University, so you had to have an EDU thing. And I just remember thinking, nobody's ever going to do this. This is ridiculous. Who cares? Like, uh, there was only walls back then, and you couldn't, you'd go on each other's walls, kind of like a MySpace page. You didn't message. You didn't have, like, a, a news stream and that kind of thing. I remember revisiting back in 2006, and I was completely wrong. And uh, everybody was on Facebook by then. Me and Kyra uh, started a, a blog. Anybody here have a blog before, uh, before Facebook finally became kind of a micro-blogging site? Wong at blogspot.com if you want to have just a fun little uh, walk down memory lane with me there. All the pictures have been removed because I think the domains have crashed and all that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, we, we, had a, we had a blog. And so we kind of jumped into it uh, full steam ahead. And it was a great way to put up pictures and keep up with friends and all that kind of thing. It was really before it became, uh, you know, kind of this, this place of entertainment and politics that social media is today. I remember in 2016, I was on Instagram, and they gave me a survey about, like, my satisfaction about Instagram, and I remember for the first time feeling in my heart, just going for my gut, I do not like Instagram as much as I used to. I do not like Facebook. There's a sort of stress that comes about it, and, and, I, and, and it comes to, to mean uh, that, that, I, that I, you know, when, I, when you're getting on these things, it's just this inundation of information that you're not supposed to have and sharing information that, with people you probably shouldn't share with in the first place. And so social media, right, has been this place of, of great possibility and great inspiration, but also uneasiness. And I remember even seeing that article, like, this is something great, but I wonder what is the downside of it. And I think we have finally found maybe after 14 years or 15 years of it, some of the downside of it. Uh, the downside of it is that when you log on to your social media account today, uh, you will find yourself in a sea of echoes with no voice. Uh, What you find is uh, a lot of people with a lot of microphones and a lot of cameras that all want to control the digital revolution with great power and very little responsibility. And we find ourselves as we sign online today with a lot of voices, a lot of echoes with no true voice. And everyone's looking for the voice. You know, even the news, which used to be supposed to be some kind of clairvoyant, objective uh, voice, is now kind of uh, delegated out to the highest bidder. And even news streams are, you know, appropriated by algorithms, so they're showing you not the news that's true, but the news that you want to hear, and we become more and more entrenched in our echo chambers, and we don't even really know it's true, and we kind of doubt ourselves in what we're reading in the first place, and we're skeptical, and so there is no truth, and again, we're in this, this sea, this wilderness of echoes with no voice. Where's the voice? Where's the voice of truth? Where's the voice of reason? 
more than ever, we're looking for something that's objective and that's standardized and that's real and that's true, that's not trying to sell us or pull us and corral us. And some, some from the beginning of time, Jesus, um, he's, uh, the Lord, the God, uh, he sent the people of Israel from the very beginning of time, even now, till now. He sent, not echoes, but voices through his prophets. You look at Obadiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah, there's these, these books that are rather long, and maybe you've looked at them or picked out different parts of them during Christmas, but these were voices in the desert. They were voices that were crying out. They were giving messages of hope. And a lot of times back then when people would read these prophets during the time of exile, before exile, or leading out of exile, people didn't really listen to them because they were so uh, obtrusive and they were so kind of extreme. Uh, it was only after that the Israelites were led into captivity of Babylon and, Israel and, 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 and uh, Syria and, and, and all these things that they would really start to see the validation that this was indeed uh, the voice of God. And the prophets were not only there to tell people about the message of God, but to show. Uh, we talk about prophets these days, and maybe prophet sounds like a really fun job that you get to speak on behalf of God. It was certainly not fun, at least back then. Uh, if you guys have ever read, uh, the, the prophet um, Ezekiel actually had to lay on his side uh, for 430 days on the right side, and then 430 days on the left side to symbolize, not just to tell, but to show uh, what it meant for uh, Israel's sin to kind of like hold them captive for 430 years, both Israel and Judah, the southern tribe. And uh, he actually didn't just have to do that. He made a little uh, model of, of Israel and kind of like knocked it over to show kind of the destruction and actually had to bake uh, poop into his uh, bread. Some of you guys didn't know we were going to talk about poop this morning, but baking poop into the bread to eat it to show about the defilement of, of, uh, of God's people kind of eating up this stuff that, is, that was not true, that was not the bread that, that God wanted to feed them. Isaiah had to walk around naked for three years. Anybody had God tell them that? Uh, I don't think he's doing that anymore, so don't listen if that's what you're hearing, or at least very much submit it to the elders before you all go ahead and do that with your City Lights bumper sticker. Uh, walked around naked just to show the shame of Israel, you know, just, just, just kind of out there to the wind. Um, Hosea, Hosea had to marry a prostitute uh, in order to illustrate, to show, and to tell what it meant for God to be married and cov covenanted with this unfaithful people, this adulterous nation like Israel. And so, out of all these prophets, Jesus uh, says that there's been never a man or prophet that's born of a woman that's greater than the prophet that we're going to read about in the beginning of, of, John, of Matthew 11, which is John the Baptist. Uh, there's never been a greater prophet. Uh, but it should encourage us and challenge us today that even the greatest prophet, uh, the one that saw uh, Jesus baptized, that baptized Jesus and saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him, the one who leapt in the womb when he heard about Jesus' name, the one that uh, called Jesus the Messiah and was uh, literally called, is going to be called by Jesus, the Elijah, the one who comes to point the way in the wilderness towards, towards the Lord. One of the most important prophetic jobs in all of history still can, meet, still can miss Jesus. Even the one that has the ears that hears Jesus most clearly and sees him most uh, abundantly up until this point in the narrative on the next day still has the ability to miss Jesus, still has the ability to not hear him clearly. And so... Uh, this is what it says in, in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 11, verse 1. It says, After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. And when John, the Baptist, who is, was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples and he asked him, Are you the one or, are you, or, or is there one uh, that is to come? Excuse me, let me read that again. Verse 3, it says, Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Are you the one? Are you the, the Messiah, the one that we expected, the one that I called you, the one that when I baptized you, I heard the very voice of heaven and the Holy Spirit descend like a dove on your shoulders and hear from heaven that you were the beloved son in which the Father was well pleased. I was there for that, but yet somehow in this prison, my prophetic hearing and my prophetic speaking has been interrupted. And so this, the faith 
turns to doubt for John in this season of imprisonment when he says this statement to his disciples when he sends them out to go and ask on this errand, is Jesus the one who was promised or should we expect someone else? And so um, just as a, as a quick aside in terms of the prophetic voice, um, you know, here at City Lights, we talked about this in membership class just the other night. Um, uh, we believe that uh, the Holy Spirit does continue to speak to people, speak through people, speak through the Scripture. Um, but uh, what Apostle Paul will tell us in the way that we hear the voice of God, you know, my sheep know me and, and my sheep are called by my name, uh, we can hear the voice of God. But what Paul will tell us about prophecy is that uh, as, as people that are able to hear the voice of God, we hear only in part, not in full. Even John, uh, the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets, Jesus is going to say, is least in the kingdom of heaven, and even he could only hear in part and not in full. It's a great encouragement, but also a great challenge that even the people that hear God the greatest and the most can still miss him on any other day because they see in part and not in whole. And so it says this, that love never fails in 1 Corinthians 14, but where there are prophecies, they will cease, and where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but not in whole. And so here, here at City Lights, you know, in Ephesians 4, it talks about there's the fivefold, and there's the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, uh, and, and the pastors, and um, the evangelists. And, and each of those is, I'm a very simple thinking person, and my math's not too great, right? But out of five, that's 20% for each piece of pie. And how many guys, I just, I show of hands, just no shame, no game, all that stuff, but uh, how many guys would have said that you have heard uh, not an audible voice of God, but definitely sense his prompting in some sort of a direction to know something that you needed to know at some period of time, okay? And so I think that is part of, uh, of, of the process and the pattern by which we, we walk and follow. Uh, and that's a wonderful thing, and that's a beautiful thing to be drawn into the voice of God, but the Bible's saying that in Ephesians chapter 4, that's only 20% of the experience. And that if, if maybe on a, just a statistical basis, if everything we're doing is all about this prophetic thing, but it has no teaching to it, no scripture, if it has no evangelism to it, it doesn't have this heart of the God has given us the most important word, which is to bring nations to himself. If it doesn't have a pastoral thing, like we're not really caring about people, we're just trying to hear words and that kind of thing, we're kind of off track. So it's not saying that it's wrong, it's just saying it's over-exaggerated. And so what does it look like to see the prophetic gift come along and serve the teaching gift? What does it look like the teaching gift and the discipleship gift to come along and serve the evangelistic gift? And usually what you have in churches is, is there's an entrenchment in one of those gifts, and there's a worship and idol of one of those gifts, so that it's all about teaching and no evangelism, no prophecy. And that's why you get really wonky, different denominations, because it's a bunch of people that pick up their toys and leave and go to the corner, because it's, we want to have a church that's based around the gift rather than the one that's the giver. And what does it look like for the family to come around the table and to see all the gifts working together to build the stature, right, build the church up to Christ. We need all those gifts. And so we want to operate in a kind of wisdom around here at City Lights that we're seeing, but we're seeing in part. And I need you, and you need me, and we need the scripture, and we need the spirit, and we need time to hear him clearly. And so we pray about all the words that we ever get in this church. Uh, we, 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 we covet those things, and we treasure the words of God. Why wouldn't we treasure? We treasure our cars. We treasure our phones. We treasure our relationships. Why don't we treasure the words of God, you know? And so we write those things down, and worship night are here. You're welcome at any time. If you were ever to hear something or really sense that the Lord was saying something, if that's your gift, we don't want you to practice that and abuse somewhere. We want you to bring that gift to the table and submit it to the overall fivefold gift to see it work in its proper place. That's the best way to practice it the right way is to show uh, the proper use to it and, and the, the proper vision. And so if you have anything, you just drop it in that giving box right, right back there and the prayer team you know, collects those up and we pray over those things and we remember those things and we're hearing the Lord's voice continually because uh, I believe that we are, uh, we are trying to do it together and we're trying to do it with scripture and we're trying to do it over time. And that's one of those things. We don't wanna just throw it out. We just wanna, we wanna see it redeemed and done the right way. And so I just wanna encourage you that you can hear the Lord's voice and even the person that hears the best 
hears the most is no Jedi. We are only hearing as children. There's nobody that graduates above you. Every one of us is equally equipped right now to hear what the Lord is saying. Okay, and so, and so even if you have heard a thousand words, you're just as fallible as the person who, who's heard none. And so we want to create places of, of, of safety so we can hear the Lord's voice together with Scripture and over time. And so, um, and so John uh, is, is in this place where he sees in part, but he doesn't see in full. And so he has some faith, but just like Jacob we talked about, he also has some fear. He also has some doubt, even the greatest prophet. And so uh, when we go back and we think about why this would be, we remembered in, uh, in Matthew 3 when he talks about in his sermon about who Jesus is and who the Messiah is, the reason why he can't hear or see quite clearly is because of his expectation. I came home the other day, and uh, you guys ever just feel like there's just like a trigger point in your heart, and you don't really know why you're so upset, but you're just ready to just kick the dog or whatever, you're just so upset? And, uh, and, and then you realize, oh, well, there's a reason for that. It's because the reason is, is that um, I came in, and I didn't know it, and I'm upset now, but I had an expectation that I didn't even know I had. Until I got upset about it, now I have an expectation. It revealed the expectation. I'm an organization person. Anybody here an organization? It could be really dirty, and I need to work on that. I need to work on dust, dusting and cleaning and all that kind of thing. I'm not great at that. Uh, my, my, I don't know if I don't smell as good as I should or something like that, but I, the, 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 the kind of cleanliness thing doesn't bother me, but the organization thing. Everything needs to be in its place. Everything needs to be in its place. And, and it's like I'm coming home, and I'm realizing there's this expectation. How many of you guys know that expectation can make you blind? What you find is oftentimes what you're looking for, and when, when your expectation is not met, oftentimes the small thing that wasn't really as big as it should be gets bigger and bigger in your mind because that's all that you're focusing on. You just become this dirt dauber focusing on this one thing. So if you look at John's passage, or Matthew's passage about John in his sermon, I think we might be able to guess the expectation that's unmet here. In Matthew um, chapter 3, verse 11, John gives his baptismal sermon, he says, I'm baptizing you with water for repentance, but after me comes the one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. And he says, he will baptize you not with water, but with the Holy Spirit and fire. Sometimes this biblical imagery, you know, it's, it's not that the image is wrong, but it's the interpretation of the image is wrong. And this is why prophets submit to prophets, and this is why we operate in a fivefold ministry, because the prophet doesn't always see the reason for the image that they see. And so he sees this fire, but it's a different kind of fire that Jesus is going to bring. He is right in the sense that the Holy Spirit's coming to baptize with fire, but it's a different kind of fire. Look at verse 12. He says, for the winnowing fork is in his hand, the winnowing fork, the one that you harvest the wheat with. And he will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, and burn it up with an unquenchable fire. It just reminds me of um, that old MC Hammer song called Hammer Time, right? So, so this is what John is thinking. He's thinking that Messiah comes, and the way that you know the Messiah is that he's going to come with a hammer. And he's coming to hammer people out. He's coming to kill the, you know, rock'em, sock'em, robot, Romans, and kill all the Romans and, and, and elevate the Jews. And, and he's going to ride off on a horse and probably go off into Rome together and, and rule and conquer the world of Jesus. And yet he's in a prison that he's about to get persecuted in because he challenged a political rival. And he's going to get his head lopped off. And he's going to suffer the same fate and the same glory as Jesus. And because of his expectation, he can't see Jesus right in front of him. He's the greatest prophet, and he missed Jesus right in front of him. Are you the one that is to come, or are you sending someone else? He's thinking hammer time. He's thinking that Jesus came to bring the hammer, but Jesus is saying, I didn't come to bring the hammer, I came to bring the healing. Jesus replies to him, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see, if you have ears to hear and eyes to see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. I want to read that again because it is the brand identity of the kingdom of heaven. We have a lot of voices in our head. We have a lot of voices in our social media. 
We have a lot of voices in our church. We have a lot of voices in our family. And all of them are echoes except for one voice. There is only one voice who has authority. And everyone will be proved a liar in light of his truth. He is the only voice. And it doesn't matter how many likes it gets. It doesn't matter how many subscribes it gets. It doesn't how it makes you feel. It doesn't matter what your expectation is. If the Father is revealing the Son the way that the Father chooses to reveal the Son, then Jesus is true and everyone's a liar. And this is, this is what Jesus says is true. This is what Jesus says is true about the age. This is what Jesus says is true about COVID. This is what Jesus says about Democrats and Republicans. This is what Jesus says about the postmodern world. This is what Jesus says about, about social media. He says, this is how you know the voice. He's going to say at the very end of this passage that the deeds are proven by the wisdom. Deeds are proven by wisdom. It says, Jesus replies, go back and report to John. This is how you know that the voice is true, that it's not an echo, that it's not a wilderness reed that's blowing in the wind. It's not a man that goes to find clothes, you'll say later. It is the voice in the middle of the echo. It is the voice in the wilderness that cries out that anyone that hear, any child that could see, could come to him and to be healed. This is what Jesus says the voice is saying. The voice is saying, go back and report to John what you see and what you hear for plain sight, that wisdom is proven by your deeds. And these are the deeds of the kingdom. Don't let anyone steer you off course, even if they have a microphone in the Bible in front of their, their face. Is that the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are, are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. It's saying that, that the world or even the church, they believe that God has come to bring the hammer, that God has come in the Son to walk in flesh, to bring the hammer. But Jesus says, I didn't come to bring the hammer, I came to heal. I said that the little children would come to me and the way that you'll know who I am is you're gonna see healing. He's saying, he's saying, he's saying in, in, in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying there's gonna be many false prophets and they're gonna look like sheep, but they're actually wolves dressed up. And the way that you can tell the difference between a sheep and a wolf is not because of the doctrine and not because of their history and their past or not even because of, of, of their track record. It's because they are aligning with this thing called the kingdom of heaven, which is at hand that we can repent and believe in that Jesus, Jesus, not me, not you, not the hero, not some political party, Jesus has come not to bring the hammer but to heal. And people are being healed. People are being spiritually healed. People are being physically healed. People are being emotionally healed. And it is impossible. It's impossible for uh, marriages to get redeemed. It's impossible for blind people who are arrogant that can't see um, around their elbow to, to finally come awake to their sin. It's impossible for people that are lepers that are outcast and, and can't find belonging and can't find home and can't find even peace and home in themselves. All of these people, none of them are not finding healing in Jesus. This is the brand standard of the kingdom of heaven. If you want to know what the voice and the echo is, then go find the deeds that follow them. The kingdom of heaven is, is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. The blind see, the lepers uh, are cleansed, that the, that the lame will walk, that the deaf will hear, that the dead are raised, and the poor are beginning their good news preached to them. Anywhere you see the deeds, get ready to hear the voice. If you're trying to hear the voice, then go to the deeds. If you see the deeds, if you're seeing the deeds, if you're seeing the deeds, then wisdom is proven by the deeds. And you will see these things and know that the brand standard is here. There's a kind of even, even biblical preaching, even biblical preaching, and, 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 and forgive me and work with me as I'm not a perfect voice, right, in your life. Hear the voice, hear his voice, not my voice. You know, there is a certain emotion that feels good to hammer people. You know, there's a certain emotion that feels so good that because it's a clear voice and because it's black and white and because it's really telling people to own up to their sin and get out of your comfort zone and stop being such a jerk and you need to be a husband that like loves his wife the right way and work harder and do more. There's something that feels good about a clairvoyant black and white voice sometimes that makes us feel like it. But Jesus is saying it's not in the harshness, it's in the healing that you'll know I'm speaking. 
And so inside of and outside of the church, that those guys are the problem and, and, and you're, you know, you're awful and you need to realize how awful you are. And if you realize how awful you are, then you're really going to get it. And then you're going to know Jesus. There's, there's a certain kind of feeling that feels good, especially if you were raised in an environment. There wasn't a lot of structure and there wasn't a lot of, of you know, um, accountability and there wasn't a lot of responsibility. There will be a voice in your head and there'll be a voice on the street and there'll be a voice in the church that is telling you, you know, you're awful and they're awful and get your act together and you're such an American and you're spending all your money and all this stuff and the Lord's not about comfort and God's holy so have some respect and have some respect in his house and it's gonna sound good to you but he's saying, if it's not healing, then it's not me. If it doesn't bring about repentance, if it only brings about shame and guilt, then it's not me. That's not my voice. And there's a voice that's going to make you feel really good because it flatters you. And instead of saying you're awful, it says you're awesome. You're awesome and Jesus is awesome. He's coming to make you more awesome so that the world can be more awesome. And you're awesome and go after your destiny. And I'm just here to tell you, he didn't come to tell you that you're awesome. He came to tell you that you're healed in his name. He came to tell you that he's able. He came to tell you that it's impossible. And if you fling your life on him, you will be healed. And so I hope you hear the gospel and I hope that you're continuing to know the voice along with your, your fellow children that are in this church, the children that trust him by faith, that are not wise, but are humble and, and, and meek in his presence and are coming to him, that come to him and find rest because he is not the hammer, he is the healer. He is the one, the one voice in the midst of the echoes to come and bring healing. And then he closes and he says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. He would have known this voice, you know, the prophet John the Baptist would have been well equipped on Isaiah 61. He's hearing all these hyperlinks in the Bible as Jesus is rattling off all these Old Testaments. It's, it's different pieces of Isaiah and Ezekiel and Hosea and all these things that he's, he's drawing upon. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. John would have known this and Jesus knew it too because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to release from darkness the prisoners. Jesus left off one important detail when he went about giving his mission statement of the kingdom of heaven, the value statements of the kingdom of heaven. He mentioned the lame, and he mentioned the leper, and he mentioned the deaf, and he mentioned the poor, and he mentioned the dead. But unfortunately for John, he says it without saying, John's future and fate, his prophetic future and destiny. He does not mention the prisoners. And so we, uh, we, it's not the main point today, but we do live in uh, what I love, Charlie Boyd at Fellowship Greenville says a lot, is in the already not yet of the kingdom. We cannot have an over-realized eschatology uh, because um, it can put an overemphasis on our faith as though it's our faith that heals us, not his grace. And if you had enough faith, you'd have a baby. If you had enough faith, you'd have enough money. If you had enough faith, you'd be healed. And because you're not healed, it shows that you didn't have faith. And Jesus is saying you're not healed ultimately by the faith. You're healed by the grace. Faith is a ticket for the grace of airplane. It's a piece of paper. The faith can't get you anywhere. It's his grace, and it's by his grace that he is healed. And so the only prayer you need is heal them in Jesus' name. And you've, you've handed that over in the proper jurisdiction of heavenly rights. It's God. It's God that heals. It's God that heals. And so it's living in that already not yet that you're living with some children that are healed of leukemia, some abandoned, you know, prodigal children that are coming home, some people that are getting pregnant, alongside people that are not. Alongside people that are, are not finding spouses. Alongside people that are waiting on a word for 10 years that a person gets a word and gets on Tuesday. This is the tension that we live in, that both things are happening in Hebrews 11, right? That some people conquer nations and some people are torn in two. And we live in the tension of both, the already and the not yet. We're not gonna stop asking. All people are healed in Jesus' name. When and how he does that is not my job description. 
I will pray for everything that moves, and I know by faith that God will do everything that we're asking him to, but his how and his when and not mine. And so we pray, we pray, but on his authority, on his watch, and on his grace, that he's the one that's going to heal. And he says, blessed is the one that doesn't, doesn't stumble on me, doesn't stumble on the, on the not yet part of the already. Blessed is the one, John, who is the greatest prophet, who is in danger of missing me and is wrestling with doubt in his last days. Blessed is the one who does not stumble on the not yet part of the already, of the kingdom of heaven. It's happening, John, but I'm the one who holds the keys. I'm the one who has the authority. So, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out to see into the wilderness? Did you go out to see a reed swayed by the wind? That means somebody that is just swayed around by public opinion. Did you go out there to go find somebody that's just going to say what you want him to say, and you put a little coin in his pocket, and he's just going to go ahead and just be a puppet and just... Be the echo. Did you go out there to go see a reed swaying in the wind? And he says, no. If not, what did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothes on Instagram with a Rolls Royce and some you know, boat or yacht or some gun that everybody wants or whatever it is that we're pining after? Did you go out there to go see somebody dressed in fine clothing in palaces? No, you didn't go out to see that, did you? Verse 9, then what did you go out to see? A prophet. You weren't satisfied because you knew there were echoes, didn't you? You went out to see a prophet. You didn't go out there to see. When you're on Facebook and signing in, you're not looking for the reed swaying in the wind. And you're not ultimately looking for the gold at the other end of the rainbow, the American dream. You're looking for something more than that. You might not know that. What is it? Spurgeon says that every man that visits a brothel is ultimately looking for Jesus. Anyone that signs online or really looks for anything is looking for one thing. They're looking for a prophet and not just a prophet, lowercase p, the prophet is what they're looking for, is what he says. Aren't you looking for a prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet has been here, verse 10, this is the one about whom it is risen. This is the Elijah that was promised when Elijah was swept up without dying. I will send you a messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare the way before you. John had the right message. John had the right vision. John had the right anointing. John heard God, but he saw only in part, but I come to bring the real thing. I come to be the voice in the echoes. And he says, he says, this is the one that he's, that he's pointing to. And, and, and this, is, this, is, this is what we, where we are. When we are, we're signing online and we're looking for this voice, we're looking for the voice in the middle of the echoes. And, and, and then he says, he continues on, Matthew uh, verse 11. He says, truly I tell you, among those born of the woman, there has not been anyone that's risen greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Whoever's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That means that each one of us, by way of the Holy Spirit living in us, can actually hear God better than John the Baptist. God's greatest prophet before Jesus is less than, is the floor uh, to which we stand on, in which we live in the Holy Spirit. We can hear his voice, is what he's saying. Even the least in the kingdom of heaven, the least right here at 25 Sweetbriar, is greater than John the Baptist. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. This ain't new. They've always been stoning the prophets. They don't like to hear from the prophets. This is what the Pharisees did when they saw Jesus. They tore their robes and they put their hands or ears like a little kid and said, la, 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 la. Because we don't want to hear what he has to say. It's not that he's not speaking. It's that we're not listening. And the reason we don't listen is because we don't want to hear what he has to say. We want to hear echoes and we don't want to hear a voice ultimately. We want to hear the, the wind, right, blowing the weeds, and we want to hear the rich guy that's going to tell us how to be fancy and rich. Blessed is the one, the child that comes to hear Jesus to say who he is and speak about who he is and let the Father reveal him to us. He says, since the beginning of time, he says, the prophets, they've been dying from the kings because the prophets tell the kings what the kings don't want to hear. Any of the prophets. It's not a fun job to be a prophet. It's not a fun job to be a voice in the middle of echoes. He says, the violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John... And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, the one who is to come. Whoever has ears, let him hear. 
yeah, the, the, the job of the prophet was to show and to tell to be, to be a picture. And ultimately, when you think about John, he's a pretty perfect picture. He is the highest of all the Old Testament prophets, but he's stuck in prison. That's it. He is the epitome. You put all the laws, you put all the prophets, and all that man could do without the Spirit falling on flesh, turning people to himself and indwelling the same resurrection spirit within his body of believers, all the prophets ended up to be were prisons, prisons in their sin, prisons in their, in their evil. The evil above them, the evil around them, the evil inside of them, no amount of anointing could break them free from that. They needed a Messiah. And so this is the job description of the Messiah, to set the lepers free, to cleanse, to cleanse the lepers, to set the prisoners free, to heal the, heal the blind, to heal the sick. This is the job description of the Messiah because ultimately Jesus did not come to just be a healing guru or just to get rich quick or just to be another echo on the stream or just to be a political puppet or just to be whatever else opinion that we want to make Jesus. Jesus came to be Messiah. That he found us in our prison. And we have evil, evil inside of us, evil around us, evil above us. It seems that uh, in different denominational streams and based on our expectations and best, based on our experiences, we tend to look at Jesus from one of those three perspectives. The overemphasis of Jesus being victorious and conquering Satan, and, and there's, it's, it's really more about him beating the enemies outside of me, but there's no, no, no discussion about the sin inside of me. There's no discussion about the flesh that lives inside of me and the evil that's not just above me, and God's going to stomp out the serpent, and he's going to give me victory over my bills and give me victory in my marriage and give me victory in my business, but there's no, there's no discussion about who's the real enemy when it's me. And some of us, you know, come from streams where the voice of the gospel is a lot about sin. It's just a lot about, oh, woe is me, and I'm just awful, and he, I'm a little dirt mite, and the way that you really know Jesus is really know how awful you are. But there's no understanding of his victory. There's no understanding that we live in victory as new creations today, and we're not just died getting ready to go to heaven. He's a victorious person, not just a substitution person, and he's given us victory over the serpent. And so, so Jesus needs to be put in, in, on his throne and let us see him for who the Father's revealing him. And then also... Also to bring justice to the nations, that he's a king, and he's a suffering king, and, and he didn't have anything about him that, that made him uh, attractive to us. But Jesus didn't just come to save us individually. He came to root out the evils and the systemic problems with, within the world. And so if we are, are a Christian, we're not just a Christian to get saved and go to heaven and to have victory in our emotional life. We are here to set prisoners free as well, just like him. And to be outside of this church and to see justice brought to the nations. And then there's churches that are very much about humanitarian efforts and, and no gospel and just serving and that kind of thing. But they have no recollection and no understanding of the evil inside of us and the evil above us. And that ultimately feeding a person doesn't solve any of their problems if they're not set free from the, from the prison above them and inside of them. So we need to have a multi-dimensional Jesus. We have to have a Messiah that comes to deliver us, not just make us happy. Come to deliver us, not just to give us a, a, a better comforting word on Sunday. It comes to deliver us from the evil above us, inside us, around us. We don't just need a little friend, a buddy, a guru. We need a deliverer. We need a Messiah. And that's who he's come to reveal. And no matter how much we listen to the echoes or make echoes about ourselves, he will be proven right and we will be proven wrong. He is the voice amongst all the other echoes. And so, Jesus, and so John is a prophetic image of what it means to die in prison. I mean, he will suffer the, the fate and the glory, ultimately, that Jesus suffers, and he will be lifted up the way that Jesus is lifted up. But according to, according to his, his calling, according to the prophetic word, he was the picture of what it means to be the greatest prophet stuck in a prison. Because even the greatest prophets are stuck in prison without Jesus' Messiah. And so this is what uh, Hebrews will tell, to us, tell us about prophetic ministry. Um, <clears throat> uh, it says, the writer Hebrews says... Uh, he says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched 
that is burning with fire, uh, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice uh, speaking words, that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them. He's talking about Mount Sinai. He's talking about the word of the law. And the whole entire book of Hebrews is talking about why Jesus is a greater prophet, a greater rest, a greater, greater Sabbath, a greater priest. And, and he's saying that this law of Moses, Jesus came to bring a better law and a better mountain, right? So verse 20, because they could not bear with what was commanded, if even an animal touched the mountain, it would be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses says, I'm trembling but fear. But listen to this, Christian. He says, verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion. Do you know what mountain you're in front of? Jesus, the promise of Jerusalem, the promise of a new heaven and a new earth where the bride and the groom say come and the spirit say come and the nations are drawn to Jesus, not on their worth and not on their merit and not on their ability to hear God or have faith or whatever. It's, it's, it's based on his grace and we're drawn as the family of God, a multi-ethnic family of God that's surrounded, prophet, teacher, evangelist, surrounded around the bread and the cup. This is the picture. This is the vision. He will not relent until he sees this vision come to pass at Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to that mountain. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels joyously rejoicing in assembly. Verse 23, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and sprinkled blood with a, with, that speaks a better word than the word of Abel. This is the, the prophetic word that, that after Abel was killed, that, that blood cries out for the ground from justice. And there is justice. There is no Jesus without justice. There is no justice without judgment. And, and ultimately, um, sin, blood, life is in the blood, is what, is what God told Noah. And, and so sin, um, blood is on our hands. Without Jesus, without the blood of Jesus speaking a better word than the blood of Abel, then the blood of Abel cries out not just against Cain, but against us. And we killed the prophets. Our opinions killed the prophets. The Jews didn't kill the prophets. The liberals didn't kill the prophets. The conservatives didn't kill the prophets. We killed the prophets. The evil's not just above me and around me. It's inside of me. And I need a better word. And this is the priest and this is the prophet. The better word is this, that Jesus did not come to bring the hammer for you. He came to bring healing for you. And if you trust him and come to him, he will heal you. If you're blind, if you're crippled, if you're lame, if you're deaf, there is no sin that is too great. There is no judgment that is, that is too great for his mercy. And when we come before him, we don't come before the law of Sinai that comes to bring the hand. We come before the mountain of Galilee, the mountain of Jesus, and he comes to bring the healing. And there's no sick person or deaf person or proud person or arrogant person or stubborn person that's ever come to him and left unhealed. He is the greater word. He is the greater word. And if, you, if, you're, if you're stuck and if you're in the echo chamber and you're looking for a voice that brings clarity, maybe you would just hear this voice that Jesus is the better word and that there is no prison that he can't break you forth from and that all is required of you if you desire to be saved, to be set free of the evil inside of you and the evil above you and the evil around you. There's only one name. There's only one voice. There's only one word. It's Jesus. And I would invite you even by faith today, I pray with you after service or you can pray right now, Lord Jesus, heal me. That's the only prayer you need. And even if you have been following Jesus, Lord Jesus, heal me. You're the only one that can heal me. He didn't come to say you're awful. He didn't come to say you're awesome. He says to come, I'm able. So bring your life before me and see it healed. Bring your life before me in front of this mountain of promise and see it healed. He closes by saying, for John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say, he has a demon. And he says, the son of man came eating and drinking. They said, well, he's a glutton and a friend of tax collectors and a drunkard. You see that? People don't hear what they hear. They hear what they want to hear. Jesus, it's not that Jesus isn't speaking, it's that we're not listening. We have our, our earmuffs on. We have our hands over our, our ears. La, 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 la. And there's things we know are true and there's things we know that are, that are stubborn to him and rebellious to him. 
And there's ways that we make ourselves God in our work, in our, in our family life. We believe that we're God. The reason why you're not rested, the reason why you never take a day off, the reason why you're not hearing him is because you think you're God and you think the world revolves around you. And he's saying, come to me, right? He's saying, come to me. And if you can hear my voice, don't harden your heart, but turn to me today. He's saying, because we're hearing not what is really being spoken, we're hearing what we want to hear. And we'll make Jesus out to be whatever we want to make him out to be. If we want to make him a demon, we'll make him a demon. If we want to make him a glutton, we'll make him a glutton. But he says, but listen, anyone who has ears can let him hear because wisdom is proved by her deeds. Wisdom is proved by the kingdom of heaven that is advancing, that the blind are being able to see and the deaf are being able to hear. And so the question I have for us today is an intentional question. Uh, here at City Lights, we, um, we want to do life with one another and um, life with Jesus is not done life alone. I've experienced more faith in this last hour than I feel like I have in all the weeks because I'm not made to go be by myself with the Father. I'm made to be with the Father with you. And faith is something that's not just enjoyed. It's something that's shared. And I want to encourage you and those that are there in YouTube, uh, in your living room based on medical things, and, and, and we pray for you as well. But be in the room. And don't just be in the room, but show up. And have your heart open and be ready for God to speak because God is speaking, but oftentimes he speaks through people. And he's speaking through people around you. And so listening to God means getting in front of the scripture, but also means getting in front of people and being open and honest and transparent and current that you might be healed. Confess your sins, not just to him, but to one another. And what? You will be healed. That's his promise. And so this is the question I just want to ask you. Where, where are the blind and the lame and the lepers and the deaf and the dead and the prisoners and the poor healed in Jesus' name? Because wisdom is proved by the deeds. Proverbs says that wisdom is like a lady that cries out to every, every corner. You know how mom just wants well for you. Mom's not, trying to, mom's not trying to hurt you. She just wants well for you. Sometimes, she, sometimes our moms, you know, protect us and bubble us and helicopter parent us too much, but wisdom is not like that. Wisdom is at every corner and cries out to anyone that would listen. And wisdom is proved by the deeds of Jesus. Where are you seeing the hand of Jesus? Because where you see the hand of Jesus, you'll find the heart pretty quickly. If you're lost and if you're confused, I want to challenge you not just to, you know, get into another doctrine book, but go find where people are getting healed. Go find where people are getting healed in Jesus' name. I sat down with a, a, a couple just this last week, um, and it just totally caught me off guard. It was a totally normal, casual conversation, and within five minutes, um, uh, as we were having this conversation, just this compassion and these tears began to well up in this couple as we talked, and the tears were not tears of, of, of sorrow or sadness, um, but ultimately tears of love and compassion for a lost neighbor that they had. And I don't know the last time that I... Um, have sat or talked to anybody or myself been weeping over the lostness of people. But we should weep over the lostness of people. This is the heart of God. He is weeping over, he does, he does not care about your political position so long, so, so long as, as um, well, what is it that I heard a pastor once say? It doesn't matter which side you're on, it just matters what it costs you to lose the spirit of Jesus over it, right? So he doesn't care about your political position. He cares about your kingdom position. He cares about your faith. And are you, are, you, are you looking for the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ in 2021 to advance into broken spaces to see healing? And are your tears for those people? And when we preach the gospel, are we preaching? Are we preaching because we think we're right or are we preaching because we have tears in our eyes? Because we have compassion on the sick and on the poor and the needy. And if you're, if you're looking for the voice, then go look for the deeds and go find where Jesus is working because where you find his deeds, you're gonna find his heart, you're gonna find his words. And this is how you're gonna know the deeds because wisdom is proved by the deeds. This is how you know if a prophet is a sheep in wolf's clothing or not. You look at their life. And if they're preaching strong doctrine, but they're vicious to their wife, they don't know God because wisdom is proved right by the deeds. Where's the kingdom of heaven? Because that's where Jesus is. And so I want to invite you to go to his mountain early and often 
and prayer. Pray that, that, that beautiful childlike prayer. It's not that I'm awesome. It's not that I'm awful, Lord, but you are awesome and you are able. And I put my life before you and I put my neighbor's life before me because this is the only place where there is healing. We are not smart people that need to get smarter or rich people that need to get wiser. We're not, you know, lonely people that need a, a little buddy and a, and a hug, hug around the neck and a kiss on the cheek. No, we're desperately imprisoned people that need to get broken out by Messiah Jesus. And thanks to his blood, there's a better word than able. We can come before him to be healed today. I want to invite you to stand uh, as um, the prayer team comes forward and the worship teams come for, team comes forward. And uh, Tom's going to direct us. But Holy Spirit, would you, would you fall in this room, not because we deserve it, because you're good. And Lord, we come to you not as experts, Lord, not as Jedis, but we come as children because children hear your voice. And so you humble us, Lord, to expect the healing from you. Humble us, Lord, to have a faith that trusts in your grace. And so, Lord, would you do what she said you would do in Matthew 11, that you would reveal your voice, your son, the most beautiful thing that ever existed, the image of God, the center of all things by which things are created. Would you reveal yourself in this room? Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.